Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the first ever Raw Autos podcast, hosted by me, the founder of rawautos.com, Mr. Josh Lewis. And I can't believe you found your way. I'm surprised you didn't get lost. Did you take the left-hand turn where I told you at the big rock? Regardless of all of that, I'm glad you're here. This is something I've been needing to do for, well, for a very long time. And it's something I've been talking about doing for a really long time as well. In fact, one of the guests that I'll be having on the show uh, some point soon, uh, in fact, when you're hearing this, uh, I will have most likely already recorded that podcast with this person, but they told me years ago I needed to have my own podcast for Raw Autos. And so, here we are. What took so long? Well, I don't really know. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with being self-conscious. You know, who the hell listens? Who the hell cares what I have to say about anything? But the irony of that is that I have a website where I tell people my opinions on cars and the industry as a whole and yada, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But with the current crisis going on of COVID-19, otherwise known as coronavirus, I thought, you know what? Journalists, everybody, everybody's already at home. Nobody's doing anything. Uh, Some uh, media people are still getting some press cars. I'm currently not. But you know what? I thought, what the hell? Let me start a podcast. Let's get these people on, on the phone, talk to them, you know, let them vent about what's going on with uh, their creative lives, uh, talk about their their journey to being who they are today. Uh, One of those people, in fact, as you're listening to this, when this goes live, I'll be currently recording a, uh, a podcast with Johnny Lieberman of Motor Trend Magazine. So a lot of these people are that I'm going to be talking to are people I've been friendly with um, in the automotive industry for a number of years, whether it be behind the scenes or, you know, I know them on, on social media and we chat on there. And this is, this is a place for them to be able to say whatever they want, do whatever they want, because that's kind of how I feel about raw autos. Raw autos was created and founded by me because I just wanted a place where I could talk about cars and say whatever the hell I wanted and not have to care about what people uh, you know, said I should or shouldn't do. Uh, I, I, I had to create my own deadlines. Nobody else did, you know, and it's amazing. It's amazing to have my own radio show as well. It's not a radio show. It's a podcast. What am I, what am I, who am I kidding here? But the thing is I have, uh, been the co-host and the color commentator on podcasts in the past. I have produced, uh, Automotive Talk Radio for Bob Long, uh, who used to be the uh, host of Motor Trend Radio many years ago. And that was basically when I first got into the automotive industry as a journalist and car reviewer. And so I don't know why it took me so long. In fact, Bob Long told me that I had a good voice for radio and that I needed to be doing it. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the hell took me so long. But, you know, with everything going on, like I said before, with the coronavirus, I went ahead and bit the bullet and I bought, I spent $430 on a Zoom LiveTrack L8. Why would I spend $430 when I have four or five uh, mixing boards, sound boards within reach in my office? Well, 
because this mixing board allows me to plug in my cell phone. I can plug it in and record whatever conversation I'm having, whether it be calling someone on their cell phone or talking to them on Skype, Facebook Messenger, what have you. And so that's what that's what this will be uh, for the first, uh, you know, foreseeable future for the first, I don't know, couple of weeks, couple of months, maybe, I don't know. Um, this is, my whole plan is different, uh, right now than what it originally was when I was going to, when I was working on creating this podcast, uh, last summer, actually. And when I was putting things together, I was actually, I had put together a series of, of people that I knew personally, or that I've, you know, have, are, or I'm acquainted with, um, and, uh, I was going to actually sit them down, bring a table to wherever they are, sit them down, interview them on the podcast, you know, actually record it right there together, video it. But, you know, I was trying to get a lot of things done and that took kind of like a, you know, it was basically sitting in the back seat while I was getting, you know, stuff done elsewhere. And now I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and run with this. Who cares? And so my first guest today is somebody that I absolutely, I think is amazing. A, a, a real badass person in the automotive industry as a journalist, somebody who loves classic cars and reviews new cars. I'm talking about none other than Ilana Shear. Now, for those of you who don't know who Ilana Shear is, she is a freelance automotive writer uh, she's been the editor-in-chief of Roadkill Magazine with David Freiberger. Uh, she spent four years as a staff editor for Hot Rod Magazine. And these days, you can find her in Road and Track, Sports Car Market, American Car Collector, Car and Driver, and also handling car review videos for Edmunds.com. And she also has a fantastic personal YouTube channel called Challenge Her. So basically, challenge, H-E-R. And you can find her there as well on Instagram with her 35 or 36,000 followers. Basically, she creates fantastic content. She's married to a mechanic, and they have a dozen vehicles in their driveway and in their yard, and all from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> it's crazy. You'll learn in this podcast, about six of them are currently running. Um, she's big into dogs and she loves native gardens. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Miss Ilana Shear. So how are you doing? How are you holding up? Everything going on? I mean, you are primarily a freelancer, right? That is correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I am one of those people where as everybody else, all the extroverts and, and people who are used to offices are trying to figure out uh, how to live their lives. I'm like, did something happen? <laughs> Is something different? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It, it is weird when you think about it because obviously, you know, if, if you are a car journalist or if you're writing about cars, you're at home most of the time anyway. And I mean, granted, we all get bored being at home, but I also feel like your home is kind of a playground. <laughs> you have how many classic cars that you drive on a pretty daily basis? Um, 
so we have I think it's a dozen right now. I haven't done the <laughs> I haven't done the count uh, recently, and you know sometimes they kind of change. But um, yeah, there's there's twelve. I would say about half of them are are actually um, easily drivable. <laughs> so uh, so that part has has been fine. There are plenty of projects to do uh, along with just actual work. Um, there's a lot to do around our house. Um, I'm lucky because I'm, I'm with somebody. So there's two of us and it isn't, it isn't a super lonely quarantine experience. Right. Yeah. And, uh, now you have, um, because I follow you on social media. Um, so challenge her on Instagram and YouTube, right? Yeah. And Twitter too. And Twitter. But I don't, I don't really do too much posting on Twitter. I hardly tweet myself. It's usually just me liking everybody else's tweets. It's about <laughs> it, you know. Um, and uh, so you, every time I see something on Instagram, it's it, so you review new cars, obviously, uh, for Edmonds, right? Right. Yeah. And then you spent multiple years with uh, as the editor in chief of Roadkill Magazine, and you were on uh, you um, spent time with uh, Hot Rod Magazine, right? Yeah, I was a staff editor at Hot Rod Magazine. That was my first um, media job, uh, at least on the on the journalism side. And um, and I moved from there to to Roadkill Magazine, which oh, was only two years. I mean, it didn't it wasn't a long running magazine, but it was a lot of fun when we did it. No, right. It, but it was it, it again. It was a cool magazine. It was a cool principle, cool idea. Um, and I feel like if if anybody. In my opinion, if you grew up around any type of old cars and you've been around new cars, obviously, there's a great culture in between that. You know, <laughs> there's a great cult- culture of taking old things and making them ridiculous, taking new things. And well, I feel like new cars now are just ridiculous as a whole. Too much power. <laughs> Too much torque for no reason. Not enough manuals. No, in my such opinion. thing. No, such thing. Um, <laughs> I get in trouble yeah. for saying that all the time, by the way, when I say, why do I need 700 horsepower? And people are like, you're such an asshole. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're an asshole. You know? <laughs> it's everybody's, everybody's personal preference. Um, I, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't driven something yet where I was like, oh, I would like this better with less horsepower. <laughs> but, but I think it is, it is possible. Um, and certainly you have to drive things differently. Um, the ways of having fun, with a lot of horsepower are different than the ways that you have fun with a small amount, just like a turbo car is a different kind of fun than a naturally aspirated car. And, you know, you could make uh, a very high horsepower car behave like a low horsepower car. If you change the gearing or you put different tires on it or whatever, you know, I mean, if, if any of us got in like a NASCAR and, and, you know, stomped it from the get go, we wouldn't be like, whoa, this is really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I, I say that, you know, I am kind of a hypocrite because my daily driver is, I have a 2017 GT350. So 526 horsepower. And I kind of laugh because people in the GT350 community have been supercharging that car from day one. And I'm going, why? Why did you, <laughs> like, I felt like the car was plenty damn near perfect as is. But there are people that just want more horsepower, more power, more torque. And, you know, they have 750 horsepower in a GT350. And, of course, now comes along the GT500. And I'm like, well, what the hell's the point of having the GT350 with 1,000 horsepower at this point? But <laughs> but that's also like it's it's also me. 
I guess being tired of, of the more, more, more attitude with everything. Um, like have you ever driven a GTR? I have. Yeah. Amazing car in terms of power and torque. And what the hell, what the hell do you need beyond that? Why would you need any more speed than that? You know? I mean, I think it's personality though. Right. I mean, good point. It's like, they don't, they aren't all the same. You could have cars that have the exact same horsepower and they don't, you know, they don't behave the same. I mean, even the Hellcat and the GT500 don't behave the same and they mm-hmm. are both muscle cars with very similar horsepower numbers. And, and you know, assuming that I could drive blindfolded, uh, I would absolutely know which was which immediately just, right. you know, besides just shifter differences and that kind of thing. I mean, they, they feel different and they, they behave differently and they sound different and stuff. So, I mean, I, you know, I think that the nice thing for me about car culture, especially coming to it from old car culture and and working into new car culture is, uh, you know, there's an audience for every kind of car. There is Mm -hmm. somebody who is going to love every kind of car. There's someone who's going to find something interesting to do with every combination of, of power and, and handling and delivery. That's a very good point. And, and I will say, uh, your videos with Edmonds of the, uh, GT 500 versus the, uh, Camaro Z01 one LE and the, uh, you had the challenger Hellcat, uh, wide body, right? I did. I did. And, I had the red eye. Yeah. The red eye. And, uh, you obviously beat, uh, the boys in the, um, uh, in, only in the burnout, only, only in, the, in burnout. the burnout, only in the burnout, yeah. but still, it was still very, a very well, <laughs> deserved victory for you and the challenger especially since your name is challenger um and uh won't deny it i was very very pleased <laughs> and you also have a challenger don't you, you have a was it i do yeah yeah exactly look at you doing your research um yeah i have a 1970 challenger um you know i've never put it on a dyno so i can't give you a horsepower number on it it has a 505 cubic inch stroke 440 uh, naturally aspirated automatic transmission. So, you know, it'll do a good burnout. <laughs> a badass piece of machinery, basically, is what it is. Yeah, sit, sitting there right now with a dead battery because that's how it always is. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the story of every old car. Every time, <laughs> my dad always tells me, it might, so uh, I'm off on tangents here, I apologize, but my, uh, um, my dad. Hey, it's your ship, man. You steer it where you want to go. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Uh, my dad, when I was ten, is when my dad first became successful in business, right? And so he bought his dream car, and his dream car was a 1967 427 Corvette. All right, so he bought this fully restored Corvette. This is 1996, fully restored Corvette, 427 400 coupe, Elkhart blue, light blue interior, four-speed manual. Uh, uh, side pipes, AM, FM radio, heating and air. So factory everything, right? Um, car was amazing. And that's that's when I fell in love with like classic cars at that moment when I was 10. And But now my dad is 69 years old. And every time he buys a classic car, he takes it to a shop and has it resto modded because he's like, well, I want modern creature comforts. I want modern <laughs> things in the cars. And I'm like, why don't you want them to be old like i love the essence of the old car and he's going man you don't get it i lived in that era i survived (laughs) shockingly you know like his his like i think his second car was a a 70 olds 442 uh ws6 
So he's like, I, I've already been through this shit with all these cars that handle horribly. You know, I don't want this. I'm 69 years old. Like, as soon as a car comes out and they're like, oh, it has a new dual clutch or a special automatic, he's like, yes! And I, I scream bloody murder against it, and he's like, this is fantastic. And I'm like, screw you, Dad. Um, have, you, uh, have you driven any of his, uh, his resto-modded cars? I have. So one of the things that my dad hates is that I'm extremely opinionated most of the time in the opposite of him. Um, but as I tell him all the time, look, you made me this way. So it's your fault. (laughs) He hated, he had the same relationship with his dad and I have the same relationship with him. Like dad's like sky's blue. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) So, but I, so I have, so he had a, um, uh, currently right now, his last rest of mod that he currently owns, uh, is a 79 Trans Am, um, WS six, uh, um, uh, anniversary edition. So it was, it's kind of a, copy in terms of that because it, it was a trans am but it wasn't a ws6 from the factory mm-hmm. but he has an ls uh wait what does he have in it an ls1 or ls2 I'm trying to remember uh basically uh he has he found a, a newer trans am motor from early 2000s and dumped that into it um and he's got new suspension and all the you know all the goodies it has 335s on the rear and it has i think dyno at 465 uh, rear wheel horsepower mm-hmm. and four speed automatic, just the four L 60. Um, and it's a monster. I mean, it is amazing fun to drive, but when it breaks loose, it's gone. You're not getting it. back. <laughs> I made the mistake. I was driving it, uh, from my parents' house to my brother's house. And then I was going to go back to my house with it. This is, it. It was like a, it had lightly rained earlier. So it was like a little mist on the ground. Didn't think anything of it. I'm just driving it normally, and there is a a clear disconnect between the throttle and the engine. You know, so there's just a mm-hmm. little bit of hesitation. So I gave it about a quarter of gas to come off the stop sign to turn left onto the street, and it just I lost the ass end, and I was like, <laughs> "What the hell?" Did a full spin in the middle of the road, and I was like, "What the hell was that?" I didn't even feel it. It did, you know, like I'm, I'm like, what the shit just happened? So I'm driving it and, you know, once it warms up, it's all fine and better, but I'm like, that's ridiculous as hell. So of course I take it back to the shop like two days later. I'm like, guys, what the hell? This thing drives like shit when you actually try and, you know, you try and stay on it. And they were like, yeah, dude, it still has leaf springs. Like it's still, you know, an old car by design. We just modernized most of it. I'm like, well, all right. Okay, fine. So <laughs> sounds like your dad's still getting the old car experience. Though. A little bit. Yeah. He had a 67 Corvette that he resto modded, um, with a, a, um, a C6 Z06 motor. Um, and, uh, that one had a six speed manual. It was ridiculously fast. Really awesome. Ooh, hold on. The dog's going to bark in a second. Yeah, nope, you're um, fine. They're, they're coming to pick up a truck in the front yard. So. <laughs> you're fine. My dogs will probably bark at some point too, so it's not a big deal. Moving, I'll try and move out of the way. Um. <laughs> All right. So, the, what is your take on resto mods? So, I mean, uh, you know, I sound sort of a milk toasty and so far, but I, I mean, I'm fine. I, you know, I worked for Hot Rod, right? right? So, my idea about cars in general is that there's no problem with changing them, that there's nothing 
wholly about the way that they were created from the factory. Um, right. That they were, you know, that they're perfect to some people and they can be better to others. And I have no problem with people deciding how it is that they want their cars to be better. Um, you know, when people criticize someone else's decision, you know, my usual response is you could have bought it. <laughs> right. Could have been your car and you could do whatever you want with it. So, um, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't have favorite looks or things that I enjoy more personally, mm -hmm. but I totally get why somebody might want to, you know, upgrade a car and make it an old car and make it quieter and be able to have a nice radio and have, you know, maybe fuel injection if they live somewhere cold where, right. you know, they, they actually want it to start easier. Maybe they understand fuel injection and they like that technology. And so they don't want to mess with a carburetor. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I, I think that it is nice when you do come across a totally original car to look at how they were built and the decisions that the original engineers made. But, you know, unless we come down to like the very last original car on right. the planet and every other one has been done, to, you know, to then, I don't know. You can always undo things. That's the other thing, you know, it's like, like you can undo pretty much every decision. And most of the cars that people are working with now, old cars anyway, they're not original. They're, right. you know, they've already had a bunch of parts changed on a them. They've already been in something. An, yeah. Right. They've already been in an accident. They already have a different engine. So, you know, to me, stock is not the same as original. Right, right, right. Well, and that's one thing I will give my dad. He's always, every single car he's ever restomated, he always said, I never want to touch the original cars. If I buy original car, it's going to stay original. If I'm buying something to restomod, I'm buying something that has been beaten up, that was a daily driver, or was wrecked, or was, you know, it, whatever fashion. He was always like, I don't want to, I don't want to kill the principle of original. Um, I'm fine with screwing around with something that, you know, has had some work done to it already. Um, I, I but, got no problem with your dad, <laughs> <laughs> but like one of my favorite cars he ever built, he, he had always wanted a 69 Trans Am. And so he went and bought a 69 Firebird 400 and turned it into a Trans Am clone. And I, I love that car so much. We, in fact, we, my dad sold it to our family doctor um, and he let me, uh, he let me have it for like a week, uh, for when I got married, um, to use as like my wedding car. Cause he knew I loved that car. <laughs> and, uh, but that's the thing is like, there are certain cars that, you know, I feel like no matter how much you want to rest them on something, I feel like there are certain cars where you're like, this is just, it, you just want to see the, um, you know, as close to an original, you know, copy as possible. Sometimes just sitting around, you know? <laughs> um and and that Trans Am was was it and uh that that now with the 79 Trans Am you know the cars were you know it's a, the 78 was a smoking the bandit car my mom had a 79 Trans Am uh before I was born in 86 and my brother my older brother Jason has never forgiven me because when I was when my mom found out she was pregnant with me they sold that car and uh <laughs> it's never forgiven me to this day but uh you know uh, I've I've tried to make it up but nothing, nothing. Um, but so, you know, going from a, you know, from classic cars, you having, you know, a dozen sitting around, which is awesome. 
you you know you've been around the rest of mods or cars that have been screwed around with in whatever fashion that were classic made a little bit newer or made a little bit you know faster or whatever and now you, you know you also drive new cars so like you just had an audi s8 if i recall i did yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I wish used... I had it right now. I could use that massaging seat. <laughs> it's Oh, man. I'm telling you, the first time I got into a, a Mercedes with massaging seats, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, I made fun of it. I made fun of it for years, even, you know, after driving cars that had it. And then um, I think maybe the massaging seats have gotten better yes. or I've gotten older. But either way. The last, the, yeah, this S8 when I was in it, because I had some pretty long drives I had to do back when we could do such things. And um, <laughs> and it was so nice. It was just like, oh, this is great. This is such a good idea. Someone's a genius. Well, you're absolutely right. It has gotten better because the first car I remember ever feeling it in was my mom had a 2003 SL500 um, with the AMG Sport Pack. Um, and that was in 2000 and five or 2006 she bought that car and it had massaging seats and i remember i was like oh this is a nice concept but it's not it wasn't great but it was like oh this is nice but it just kind of felt like like tennis balls in your back almost a yeah little bit. or like having a kid sitting behind you on an airport in right. an airplane kicking the back of your seat right <laughs> and now you know i remember when i first felt where they really got good was i had um it was, I was in Baltimore. My whole family's from Baltimore. We were back up there. We used to go up there all the time to visit family and friends. And my grandfather, I think I think it was his 80th birthday, we had surprised him. So let's see, he passed away in January of last year. He was 86 uh, last year, right? Yeah, he was 80, well, I can't remember. Anyway, but it was basically, <laughs> basically like seven years ago. And Mercedes, uh, when I was up in Baltimore, they had dropped off an S550, or I'm sorry, an S, what was it, S350, the diesel? What was was that it? Um, God, you got me. Uh, something like that. Anyway, so they had dropped that off at my hotel for to use while I was up there for the week. And that was the first time where I was like, oh my God, I think it was in 2009. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, these seats are fantastic. You know, seats are really good because um, they, they were actually like real massaging seats so much better than ever before. And also technology that I don't particularly like. I'm not a big fan of radar cruise control because um, mm -hmm. I think it is typically done pretty haphazardly and shitty by most car companies. Um, it's either too overly sensitive or it's too nannying, you know, mm -hmm. Um but that was uh, that was one of the first applications I had ever used where it was where it would actually do the start and stop, you know. So it actually yeah. kind of you know do it in traffic. And the only time right, I actually like the it, low speed stuff. Yeah, when I'm actually in traffic and using it that way, I'm like, this is perfect. I could steer from yeah. here, but this the phone the highway. I usually set cruise control anyway because I drive sports cars, you know, a lot, and mm -hmm. I you know I I live in sort of the rural part of North Carolina and cops love to see my car driving around. So, you know, they love to try and find something that I'm doing wrong, that I've done nothing, you know, um, I've been pulled over for having a loud exhaust when completely stock exhaust in sixth gear, <laughs> you know, like not even any doing anything wrong, but 
that was like the one car I was like, oh man, you know, this is really good. Seats are really good with the massaging seats. They actually massaged you. And then radar got a cruise control that actually worked from a stop and a, and a just a roll. So, um, we were, yeah, on- it's, it's, it's interesting to see the, um, you know, to see the technology and to, to go from kind of being an old car person where I'm like, why do you even need this? This is so dumb to being like, Oh, I could see how this would be useful to someone or even liking it you right. know, myself. I mean, I'm a, uh, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, of Apple CarPlay because I'm a person who gets lost all the time. And so being <laughs> able to have the maps and have the maps, you know, change, um, you know, change with the wrong turns that I'm making and, right. and be a, yeah. a familiar, you know, an, a familiar interface. I just, I think that's a really great, you know, that was a great invention. That's, Someone did a good job. That's one of the few technologies I really care about in normal day driving is Apple CarPlay. Um, and by the way, that Mercedes, it was a 2012 uh, S350 Bluetech formatic is what it was. So it was back in 2012. <laughs> did um, you just look it up or I did just, it just come to you? I just looked it up on my website just to make sure. Because I was like, 2009 seems way too old. I'm really bad with math right now. Um, but That's okay. I mean, I, I always find, you know, somebody will ask me about something that I did, you know, maybe that's in a print magazine now. And I'll be like, that was three months ago. I don't remember it. Like I, you know, like I would be always joke that, that being any kind of journalist is, is basically having the ability to be a full on expert about something for Mm -hmm. exactly as long as it takes to hit your deadline. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's funny because I'm not old by any means. Obviously I was born in 86. So, you know, me even saying like the older I get, you know, an asshole for saying it, but I'll be in May. I'll be thirty-four. You're you're old to someone who was born in two thousand. Oh, I am extremely old to someone born in two thousand. Uh, I my sister has five children. Um, as my grandfather used to say, "Long cold winters." And uh, <laughs> I, I I wish he were. I'm glad he's not around for this COVID nineteen stuff because this would this would have definitely killed him. Just worrying about if he was going to get it or not. But when for, <laughs> I kind of wish he were here, being in because. He, for the last couple of years of his life, he was just like, I just want to sit around at home. I don't want to go anywhere. But are you kidding me? And I would, have, I would just, la- I, I would always laugh. And I wish you were around now just so I could ask him, hey, Pop, what do you think about everybody sitting inside? Oh, what the hell's the big deal? I've been doing it for years. It's not a problem. You know, just watch TV, you dumbass. You know, something like that. Um, but my, one of my nephews was born in 2000. And every time I say something, say anything. He's always like, okay, old man. I'm like, kiss my ass. I'm not that old yet. Although I am, I am graying quite, quite extremely on the sides of my temples. Um, <laughs> that's just wisdom. It is. That's what my wife says all the time. And then she proceeds to not listen to anything I say. Um, <laughs> and rightly so. And uh, that's so. in our, that's in our wife handbook, by the way. <laughs> you get, you get kicked out of the wife union if you, uh, if you make it obvious that you're ever listening to any, anything that your husband paying said. attention to anything yeah no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know where the hell i was going with this but that's okay uh we were, we were... so so going back to <clears throat> to coronavirus and quarantine because i am fascinated by what everybody else's you know day-to-day yeah home home schedule is like you know what are you what are you doing what are you eating is your wife also working at home like how how big is your place? Like, so how do you stay out of each other's way? 
so my wife and I are, um, we already had this kind of concept early on anyway. We stay out of each other's way most of the time when we're at home. Um, not because we don't love each other, not because we don't want to be around each other, but before we got married, we'd been together for four years. We lived together for two. Um, and so we're, we're kind of used to, we had a small apartment at one point in time, saving up to buy our house. Our house is 2,175 square feet, nothing huge by any standard, but we have about a quarter of an acre of land. Uh, again, nothing big, but my wife is also a semi-professional Olympic weightlifter. So she is a nationally ranked Olympic weightlifter. I think, let's see the past two years, she's taken second place in the state silver medals in the state. Um, and she is, I think, currently ranked second or third in the state in her weight class. So most of the time when she's home, she's lifting, you know, mm-hmm. she's doing her workouts that she needs to do in the garage. We've always had a home gym. You know, we've always had a garage with everything that she ever needs. Um, and I have my own home office and she has her own home office. So our house, when it was built, it was actually specced with a small little office downstairs on the first floor. And I have, because I have so much pro- uh, production gear and stuff like that, I took over a bedroom upstairs in our house, a guest bedroom. And so we just kind of already, if we want to be around each other, we'll be around each other. We'll watch TV downstairs, eat lunch or dinner, breakfast, whatever. Um, but most of the time, like we we really just, we get along just fine, just giving each other space anyway. Um, it sounds like you guys have the perfect quarantine setup. We do. We do. We have, we have our upstairs and our downstairs. I mean, we have a, TV on every wall, basically. I'm I'm a technology idiot because I'm like, I want the biggest TV ever on every wall. She's surprised I haven't put any on the walls in the bathrooms yet. And uh but we eat, you know, we we've been eating our normal stuff. I've been mainly getting stuff from Amazon Fresh, uh, just because I don't really feel like going out. Um just in case, you know, I went out to the grocery store one once uh, about a week and a half ago and I was like, never again, because people are touching you. They're just all over you while you're trying to get like a bag of chips. And you're like, dude, this is not that important. Good Lord. Do you um, guys have like a stay in home um, suggestion <clears throat> in place right now or not so much yet? Uh, so not so much yet in our city. However, the county is about to my sit. My wife actually works for the city. Uh, so mm-hmm. she just texted me a little while ago that they're about to enact it, uh, and it'll probably go into effect on Monday, Monday morning. Yeah. So my wife has been in and out in this, in terms of she can work from home with certain things, but she needs approval. Um, which I think is kind of weird because her, so she's full time with the city, thank God. And then, but her bosses, the bosses of her bosses. So basically the people that run all of the parks and rec department, They've been at home since the beginning, <laughs> but they've been mandating everybody to come in essentially. And I'm like, oh, that's not weird at all. <laughs> and um, but now apparently the county is about to get very serious about it. Our governor has been trying to be like, guys, just stay at home as much as you can. Um, but they, it's mainly he's mainly left it up to the cities and the counties to kind of decree anything. So we're we're not in a stay at home order, but I like to stay at home anyway. So I don't, you know, I'm like, wait, we're being told we should. Oh, great. Now I just have an excuse to tell everybody, sorry, I can't go out. You know, that's even better. Uh, it drives my wife crazy. Cause she's, she has to be out all the time. She wants to go. She wants to be on the go. And I'm like, screw that. I'm going to sit here on my couch, but she's also 28. 
So she's still like, she hasn't, I, I don't think she's reached the point in her life where she's like, going out sucks. <laughs> People are dumb. But, <laughs> um, so our setup is pretty easy. We've always had, it's kind of weird. Like I've always bought a lot of canned vegetables anyway. So we've already had that. Um, we always bought, you know, a good selection of meat and would freeze some of it and have some of it in the fridge, you know? So we're just kind of living pretty normally because we did most of this stuff before. Um, the only thing that's different is that when boxes come, I put on a pair of, I have, I just have, uh, like nitrile gloves cause I, mm-hmm. my dogs eat raw food. So we have, I have a, you know, uh, a collection of nitrile gloves. So that way I can actually, uh, f- you know, pull the food out of the, out of the fridge and just put it into their bowls instead of, you know, using my hands. Um, and then also if I'm doing anything with the cars at the house, you know, I've got the gloves already. And so I just open the boxes on the front porch, chuck them in the recycling bin, you know, Clorox everything down. When they come inside, I, you know, Lysol down a table that they've been sitting, if they've been sitting on anything, I, you know, it's just like, eh. you know, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I've gotten, I've gotten used to it. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy, but I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Um, what about you guys? Um, I mean, we, you know, I have been working at home. It's a little bit weird to not be on any trips and to not be going down mm-hmm. to like meet up with the Edmonds guys or the car and driver guys or anything like that. Cause that was sort of, um, even though I didn't have an official office that I worked in, you know, because I'm working with people, especially for, for video or for testing, I would actually get to see other humans. And, right. Um, I mean, I like, I like other humans. I don't, I don't mind seeing other people. And, uh, certainly I like all the people that I work with at Edmonds and car and driver. Like they're just, it's nice to have, nice to have some company and, and hear other people's opinions. Like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I always feel like, you know, I do a pretty good job of, of going through a car on my own, but I like to hear what other people think about them as well. Yeah. Especially if it is a new car review where, I'm like, hey, I'm so short. You're a lot taller. Like, how do you feel about, you know, this or that that space in the car? Because, yeah. um, you know, I, I think there's nothing more annoying than somebody who reviews a car for themselves and themselves only and, like, doesn't think about, right, right, right. you know, any any other person's shapes or sizes when they're getting in. So so in that way, I do miss, I miss seeing people. But um, I've had a lot of, you know, I've been enjoying the social media that everybody's been doing. I like seeing what, you know, how, what people are wearing while they're working from home or <laughs> so many pictures of people's pets, which I'm all for. Right. I, yeah. Same know, here. Somebody, somebody said it, you know, like, oh, well, you know, the only, the only creatures that are really happy about all of this, uh, stay at home <laughs> stuff are, you know, everybody's dogs. <laughs> yeah. Literally. That, that, that's definitely true. Um, and, you know, we've been, I've been eating a lot of kimchi. I pretty much put kimchi on everything. That's not any different than before. <laughs> the, um, but I recommend it. I recommend if you're uh, if you're stocking up for a long time, uh, buy a bunch of kimchi because it lasts a long time. It's really healthy and uh, makes everything taste good. I was gonna say it's good stuff anyway. I, I, yeah. I went out. I like the first thing I got was tofu and like uh, quinoa. That you know, simple stuff that I knew that would be, you know, would hold up well and you could basically throw around with anything. You know. Um, because I'm like, well, you know, tofu is not great by itself, but I've, over the years, I figured out how to dress it up. It, you know, makes it taste pretty good. You can basically put it with anything, you know? 
especially as a protein source, you know? <laughs> um, but also we have a ton of every two months I have a big jug of protein sent to our house from Amazon because of my wife. And it is 100% like extremely clean protein, whey protein. So it's like, if we really get into any trouble, you know, just drink some protein drinks. <laughs> just, yeah. Just eat protein shakes. Yeah. Have, you know, have one, one or two of those a day as a meal replacer in, in a pinch. Yeah. It's not too bad. You know? Well, I'm certainly hoping that we don't um, get to that state of things. That would be that, that would, would be suck. discouraging. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't think we're going to get to that state of things if people just calm down. You know, it's like it, I I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, and I don't mean to interrupt you for uh, what you were what you were talking about, but. Uh, he had an ABC. I don't even remember what I was talking about. We were, you know, <laughs> we were talking kimchi? about kimchi. I mean, <laughs> you, can, you can interrupt the kimchi. I was done. I was done with the kimchi. So Joe Rogan had uh, this Navy SEAL on that he's had on a couple times before. And he was asking him his opinion. And, and uh, I always like when I feel like when I listen to people from the military, because I know people from the military, I've known a lot over the years. And I feel like they've had... Um, you, you have like a healthy portion that are like, oh, let me tell you how to survive because I, you know, was in the military, I'm an expert. Then you have the other people like, look, I only know how to survive in the conditions I was trained in. That's it, you know? <laughs> and this guy is like, look, I don't know shit about, you know, any of this. You know, I just know what I've been trained to do and trained not to do, you know? And, but one of the things he said that really made a lot of sense, he said, uh, when we have guys go through BUDS training, which is their, you know, their initial stop before you actually can become a Navy SEAL, um, he said, we, uh, we find out very quickly who was a me over we guy and we weed those people out. And he's like, what we're seeing it now in society is that it's me over we, and it needs to be we instead of me. And I was like, and that made a lot of sense to me because I'm, I've always been very much so like, how can we do better? How can, you know, like thinking about how I can do better for the people around me, you know, um, and so I think we just have a lot of a lot of me personalities right now just out of fear and they're stocking up on toilet paper which is rather <laughs> ridiculous to me. Um what's what is something that you are shocked about that people are doing right now? Um I guess for me the <clears throat> I don't know if shock is quite the right word but the incredible disconnect between people who think this is extremely serious and people who think that it's absolutely a hoax and not serious at all. Right. Um, and I mean, I honestly, I kind of understand why that's happening because depending on where you get your news, yeah, right. it's real. it could be like two completely different realities. I, I feel like I'm in some sort of sci-fi movie where, mm -hmm. I can move from one reality to the other reality simply by, you know, clicking a button on the computer and going to a different, um, you know, a different news source or a different social media. Um, so I, I think for me, really, the, the most shocking thing is sort of just being like, I don't I don't know where to get all the information, you know, right. Um, like, you know, and as a media person, I generally do trust the media. I mean, I right, think, you know, right, right. I mean, certainly I, I, I've never worked somewhere where I would be purposely trying to mislead anybody about anything. But 
uh, I can see why people don't, because it is very confusing, especially when you start talking about science and you start talking about numbers. And, you know, we don't really have any way of knowing what the numbers are anywhere because there, there aren't enough tests. So if you don't know right. if someone has it, you don't know if the numbers are up or down. And, right. you know, certainly we don't know what the numbers are from China. So, Well, um, and, you know, now we're dealing with, uh, with Russia, you know, basically saying like, oh, we don't have any real cases of it. You know, we're, we're managing it perfectly, you know, and it's like, well, you know, how much, how much of that do we really believe? You know, and it's, I don't know. I mean, just out of safety, everyone should probably <clears throat> drink some vodka just in case that's what it <laughs> just is. Just in case. But... But it's it, it's the same thing out of China. It's like you know China will give us numbers, and and I I don't you know I always I've said for years that the biggest problem with people is their government. And the biggest problem for a government is its people. You know whether I, I don't mean that like you know like I'm some you know Glenn Beck kind of guy because what I'm <laughs> basically saying is you know the I have nothing against Chinese people. You know, I have not, there's zero. I'm not going to sit here and start blaming Chinese people for being Chinese or doing their life, you know, living their lives the way that they are. But I can blame their government for things. You know, I can blame the country for things that they're doing as a whole. That is that, you know, it's like, well, you shouldn't really do that. And, but I feel bad for a lot of the Chinese people because I I don't, you know, I've known Chinese people over the years and they don't they don't want to be tied to something that is, you know, considered a regime or, um, or they don't want to necessarily even be seen as, as different than anybody else. They're just people going about their lives, you know? And I guess that's one of the big things that for me, that kind of annoys me every day where I'm going, okay, let's, we need to focus on this as a, as a, as a people issue, you know, an issue that's, uh, this virus is attacking people and we have to contain that we have to help the people, you know, we need to worry about governments as a secondary thing. I feel, I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> well, there was a lot there. Um, <laughs> yes. Let's unpack. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I certainly don't, uh, you know, um, I, I certainly don't think that people blaming China for, for a virus is in any way healthy. Um, and I think we all would rather not be, well, maybe not everyone. I would rather not be connected to any regimes currently either. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I, um, I think that we, it, you know, if people are getting sick, then then we need to figure out how how to keep people from getting sick. And, and it's uh, and it's scary. And, yeah. you know, f- for me, what I currently what I'm being asked to do, staying home is not hard for me. So I don't mind doing it. Right. And, um, I understand why there are people who are having a, tr- a hard time doing it. Um, I think there are also people who are being incredibly casual about it and going out when they don't need to. And I think those people should stop at least give it a try. Let's figure it out. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Might, you know, I mean, there might be a period of time a couple of weeks from now or mo- a month from now where we're like, this is crazy. It's not helping. And now we know it's not helping. And so let's get back to to like trying something else. But, um, you know, I was surprised at how quickly everyone got bored and was like, I have to get out of here. (laughs) It's been three days. Right. Like, you you know, like you can't stay home for three days. So, (laughs) um, I mean, I think 
it's going to be interesting to see after this is done, you know, what changes in the landscape for, for all businesses. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously what we do is, um, you know, a gift <laughs> a, yeah. that we get to do. Um, it's not crucial for making anybody else's life continue. So I, I'm hoping that it doesn't, you know, there was already concerns about automotive media and and the the those of us who make careers out of it. And right. so I, I'm certainly hoping that there's still an audience to talk about cars and money to pay me to talk about cars. Right. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get a real job and I don't have any other Ugh. skills. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I took a break from my website for about three years because I went – my dad used to own a corporate travel agency. Uh, he, he sold that uh, a few years ago and semi-retired. And <clears throat> for the last couple of years, two or three years, I worked for him actually because I'd been a part of the media for so many years. He was like, Hey, I need somebody to come in. I need a media division. I need somebody to actually go out and talk to the media, you know? Um, and so of course, I mean, I'd, I'd been brought up in the airline industry because of my dad. And so I, you know, kind of understood it. Really, and plus, you know, I was, you know, a, a media person in terms of the automotive world, you know, so I knew how to talk to people, wasn't afraid of anybody. And so that's what I did. I went in and created a, an internal and external communications division within the company. And we started creating content and everything. We, you know, got him in some newspapers and blah, blah, blah. And he sold the business. But I'll tell you right now, I never want to go back to that because, yeah, it was a steady paycheck and it was nice to have a steady paycheck. But having to go in and having to be uh, a level of decorum, no, I hated that. I, you know, <laughs> even though it was my dad's company, I still went in, you know, dressed, you know, professionally. Although everybody didn't really think I was very professional because I wore jeans most of the time. Um, <clears throat> but I always told people, look, if you if you're creative, you can wear whatever you'd like. Um, so that's that was the excuse I always gave. But. <laughs> That was, you know, I don't ever want to do that because it's like, I look, I'm good at it if I need to be, but do I want to be? No, I don't want to be good at, I don't, I don't care about necessarily being good at that. I'd rather be good at, you know, telling people about cars or telling people about technology or telling people about cameras or whatever. That's what <laughs> I'd much prefer because it's much more entertaining for me and for other people. But I, uh, I am not good at anything else. I mean, I'm questionably <laughs> good at what I am doing, but you know, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it anyway. So are you working on anything? Um, are you working on anything car wise currently? I am actually. So I just did some, uh, just had some reviews. Um, and it's, it's killing me because I had more review cars in, you know, in the pipeline and everything is kind of like slowed down quite a bit, you know, so I don't really have any press cars right now for obvious purposes. Uh, obvious reasons. And, um, but I had a, I still have to make my, uh, videos of, uh, the Ford Ranger that I just had. And then I just had the Toyota Yaris, uh, the mm. little, yeah, the little Mazda two turned Toyota. Um, have you driven that car? I have not driven the new Yaris. I have driven, driven the old one. The old the one, one. Yeah. That one was terrible. It was awful. Um, I got in trouble with Toyota many years ago because I, in 2011, I reviewed a uh, a Mazda 2 at the time with a manual gearbox, and I loved it. And I was like, "This is great! This is a really cool little car." Sure, it gets a little bit worse gas mileage, and it's a little bit smaller inside than the Toyota Yaris. But I said, 
that in my review that the Yaris is so boring that every owner is one bad day away from a tall ledge. <laughs> and so brutal. Yeah, br- horrible. Horrible, right? And it's even what's even more ironic is that my best friend Rob, his wife at the time had a Yaris. Um and I was like it's a great mode of transportation, simple, it's easy. I no, I don't ever want to drive that. This because I was like, this is a Mazda 2, and I got in it, and I drove it. I was like, this is exactly how a small car should be. It was basically like a little tiny mini Miata, little Miata hatchback with only 106 horsepower. Um, but it does everything that I think a little tiny car should do, and it does it extremely well. It handles well. It kind of gets out of its own way. Uh, I think it had 185s all, on all four tires, um, <laughs> so very small tires. But I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Well, good for the Yaris. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad for it. <laughs> what What have you driven lately that you absolutely despised? You know, it's funny that you ask that because uh, we're we're working on something um, right now where where I had to come up with three cars that I hated, and like I don't hate anything. Right, um, right, right. I'm the same you know, way. There are car- there are cars that I don't, there are technologies that I'm really hating right now. Uh, in particular, sort of um, like lane keep assist. Oh, God, uh, and, you know, I don't mind them if it's easy to figure out how to turn them off. But I was, I've been in a couple of things recently where I'm like, how do I right. turn this off? Right. It's still on. It's still doing it. Yep. Why is it doing it? I, um, and you basically have to and, stop the car because there are some cars where you actually can't change it on or off if you're driving yeah um yeah the ones that bury it deep in the menu and it won't let you go into those menu settings to change it unless you you know you're not currently moving so um so i would say that 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 technology bothers me more than than any of the cars that i've driven um i've driven a bunch of audis recently and i liked all of them except for uh what's the small suv three q3 yeah I wasn't a huge fan. I felt like the seats were uncomfortable and uh, I thought that it handled poorly, which was weird because I've liked everything else, including the bigger SUVs, which I thought mm-hmm. handled nicely. So I don't know. Every, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say I hated it. I just was perfectly happy to be done with it when, when that <laughs> time came. Um, you know, I just, I like, like, I like all the cars, even the, even the SUVs, even the minivans. You know, they're all just a way of getting out and and moving through the world that I think is so enjoyable. So, yeah, I don't I don't hate anything. I know it's so lame. I should no. really hate one. No, because people ask me. It's it's funny you say that because people ask me the exact same question all the time, and it's people that you know, my parents' friends, or people that I've only just met, or you know, I'm on a you know double date with somebody that my wife knows, and she's like, "Oh, you'd like this person's husband?" I'm like, "Yeah, probably not," but. <laughs> You know, we go out and they... They, they might be listening. <laughs> and if they are, they know who they are. <laughs> but it, the the thing is, people always ask me, what what cars do you hate? I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. My dog was just barking too, so it's okay. Um, But I, I don't have any cars that I actually really hate, hate. I just have things that I hate about them. You know, it's like yeah. I had the Ford Ranger. Um, I had a fully... It was $45,000 Ford Ranger. Number one... Why the hell anyone would pay forty five grand for a, a truck that size is beyond me. Um, trucks are stupidly expensive for no reason whatsoever, in my opinion. And 
it, there there weren't I didn't hate the truck and my review was was mostly positive about it I would say but the thing was is that there were things that I just didn't like about it I didn't like that it was small in the back seat not great yeah it's not a great truck it's not the worst truck but it's not the greatest well I've as I said in my review it's not a truck for truck people it's a truck for people who just want a car that happens to be a truck. That's all That's all that it is, in my opinion. If, like me, I don't want a pickup truck. I, I don't. I don't care about a pickup truck. But I would take a Honda Ridgeline. I like the Ridgeline a lot. And I would think about taking a Ford Ranger if it were a lot cheaper. Um, because I don't think it's a bad vehicle. I just don't think it's a great truck. You know, it's like, it's, but yet I drove, you know, it's kind of ironic because I just drove the, uh, the heritage edition, uh, land cruiser, $90,000, 90 grand. And everybody I talked to, everybody I showed it to everybody that I, I drove around and it said the same thing. Why would I get this? Why would I buy this? And I'm going, why wouldn't you? I would ra- much rather have this over an Escalade, a Yukon Denali. I'd still probably take an expedition or a navigator, but like I was driving around and I was like, this thing is awesome, but it didn't have Apple CarPlay. The Toyota Yaris did have Apple CarPlay. Um, it had the worst technology, but it did have automatic heated and cooled seats. So you press, you press a little auto button and depending on the outside temperature, when you get in it and start it up, it will automatically turn on the heated or ventilated seats for you. Interesting. That's weird, right? But, and it also had a wireless charger. No Apple CarPlay, but a wireless charger. How the hell does that happen? But I but I loved it. I loved driving around in it. And I was going, this is a vehicle that commands respect. It it demands you to to appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of it? Do you have, you've driven a Land Cruiser, I'm sure. I have not ever driven a modern Land Cruiser. Oh, really? Have you no. driven I and have I've you ever driven an old, an old you've driven old ones? I've never driven an old yeah. one. I've always wanted to drive old ones. How are they? Yeah, I I I mean that it's weird if you there are certain brands where it's where the the disconnect in between what what they are now and what they were in the beginning is is very high you know because mm-hmm. like an old Land Cruiser is you know kind of a rugged SUV um, right so they're kind of much more much more jeepy than mm-hmm. than anything that you would get in now. Uh, certainly not something that you would consider a kind of a family vehicle. (laughs) They're much tougher than that. Uh, you know, which is, which is cool. I mean, that, that personality or that reputation sort of, I think carries over to, to modern land cruisers, but it's just not anywhere near as fancy. So I think that somebody who only knew a, um, contemporary would, would get in one and be like, Whoa, (laughs) even (laughs) a carpet, you know, (laughs) See, I've, I've, the only people I've ever known that had them always dropped LS motors in them. And that always used to annoy the hell out of me. But it goes back to what you said earlier when you said, well, you could have bought it. So I have the, I have the two sides of me. I have the one side that gets annoyed when people do things to cars. And then I have the other side of me going, well, it's not like you bought it. It's not your money. So who cares? (laughs) So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a 50, 50 against myself all the time, you know, no matter what. Uh, I'm my own, you know, most optimistic, pessimistic person in my mind. But so now I just have a few kind of not rapid fire questions, but kind of simple questions for you. Um, Go for it. Okay. 
so we were talking about the automotive industry, you know, what could happen with journalism. What do you think, what, or what worries you the most about this regarding the automotive industry? Um, okay. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, if everything stays shut down, then right. we're, then nobody's getting paid. And if nobody's getting paid, then no one will have any money. And if no one has any money, they can't buy new cars. So that is going to be bad for people who sell new cars, people who make new cars yeah. and people who write about new cars. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's always going to be other you know, other ways for people to, to deal with transport, you know, maybe there'll be more used car stuff. Maybe there'll be more writing about how to fix things or Mm -hmm. how to shop for, for older stuff. Mm -hmm. But even going back to classic cars, that's also dependent on people having disposable income. You know, at this point you don't buy a 70 challenger or, you know, a, a Trans Am because, it's the affordable automotive choice. Right. No longer so, so all everything that we do in terms of car fun is going to be affected if nobody has any money. Yeah. I said to my wife the other day, she asked me a similar question, you know, what I thought would happen. And I, one of my first responses was that I felt as though the classic car market, the specialty classic car market, the superficial values would start to potentially drop. Um, I feel like there are a lot of classic cars that have very pointless, uh, money values attached to them. And I'm like, why is that so expensive? You know, they made a million of those cars and you want a quarter million dollars for it. And so that's, I, I feel like some of those things are going to kind of drop. Um, but I told her, I said the used car market would can, will be very interesting right now after you know the next 12 to 24 months you could potentially buy basically a brand new car for next to nothing but with that i used to be a car salesman and i know how the banks work the banks will want their money regardless and the banks will do anything and everything they can to screw over new and used car buyers you know that's the that's one of the things i worry about is the banks trying to get too involved with this process um Mm -hmm. and Going along with that, how do you feel about the state of the manual gearbox? <laughs> um, I mean, I learned to drive a manual much later. Um, I was already in my 30s. I just wanted to know how to do it. And so I have a one of my dailies is a, is a four-speed. So I, I, love, I love driving a manual, but I also, again, going back to like things being holy or precious or there being a rule as to how you have to do car stuff. If you don't want to drive a manual, that's fine. It is no longer the most affordable option. It's no longer the most fuel efficient option and it's no longer the fast option. So it's just fun in a very particular kind of way. And I don't, I don't think that there's a superior moral standing to being someone who drives a manual or chooses a manual. Um, I will miss manuals if they stop being available in new cars, but that's what old cars are for. Well, and I, I, I always try and pretend that I am of a higher elitist value because I'm a manual nut, but yeah, you're right. And it's sad. It's sad. Like it, make, it makes me want to cry sometimes. I'm like, this is stupid. I, I texted, well, I texted Ezra Dyer years ago 
uh, before the new BMW M4 came out. Um, and I said, uh, there was a report saying that, <laughs> that they might drop the manual for the M4. And I sent him a text and, uh, I said, man, if they drop the manual for the M4, I'm out. I'm probably getting out of the journalism game. I'm done. Uh, this is stupid. And he just texts me and goes, if that's your reasoning for getting out, that's the dumbest answer I've ever heard in my entire life. I was like, yeah, yeah that's a good point. I was like, just let me cry about it. Damn it. Just let me cry. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I think that it's easy in any, it's easy in any hobby to focus in on details and mm -hmm. decide that those details represent something bigger than they actually do. And like I said, I drive a manual. I really like driving manual. It's great. But eventually it's not going to be in new cars. And right. that's fine. Like seriously, it's fine to me. I don't care. There's plenty of old cars with fantastic manuals in them. There will be plenty of aftermarket manuals. You can move cars over and make them manual. But it doesn't, you know... I'm not going to cry about manual cars going out of new cars any more than I'm going to cry about gas engines going out of new cars. Technology moves on. That's a really good point, by the way, with the cars being transferred to being manuals. We're seeing that with the Toyota Supra. We've seen that with uh, the Ferrari F430, uh, the, the Scuderia and stuff like that. We've seen different cars, the the um, the Ferrari 360 uh, um, Challenge Stradale. You know, we've seen cars like that that people are like, no, nah, I want a manual in this. And they change it out. So that could be, that's a very interesting point you make about, about cars after the fact being turned to manual. Um, now, what's that, speaking of all this stuff, what's the one car that got away from you? It could be a press car you almost got to review or a car <laughs> in general you almost got to review or a car you almost got to buy. Um, well, most recently, just because it's on the theme of talking about uh, coronavirus, I was going to go to the Mille Mille this year, oh. which I've never been to before, and I was going to uh, co-drive an Alpha with um, with a team that was going. Oh man! And uh, I was pretty excited about that, but uh, you know, whatever. There's going to be there'll be other times, and and other cars, and it'll be okay. But it was a very cool, very cool car. Um, That's a big bummer. And as far as cars that I want to buy, uh, last summer, I guess, maybe last fall, I I was in, you know, responding to an ad for a Jensen Interceptor. I think it was a 73 Jensen Interceptor. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, it was a lot cheaper than they normally are. And I was very excited about it because I've always wanted one. I think they're very cool. It's a Chrysler 440 engine mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a English car. Yep. So sort of one of those sports cars with American power, which I think are, are very cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he just wouldn't sell it. He wouldn't sell uh. it to me. It was like, it was for sale. And I was like, we offered what he was asking, but I think he must've realized that, that his asking price was too low. And he just, uh, he didn't, didn't respond to us, uh, after the first contact. And I don't know, he must've sold it to someone else for more money. So, uh, that was when I ended up buying the Trans Am. So yeah, yeah you have an 80, 81? 80, yeah, 81. 81. Yeah, 81, 81 Turbo. 81. Um, Last of the Pontiac power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How's that running, by the way? It's actually running really good. Uh, we're getting ready to do a video about it. The, the engine's all back together, and the turbo lights in the hood work, and the engine lights are off. 
Um, now I've discovered that the transmission is, is pretty fried, but mm. you know, that's, that's all right. When it'll give me something to do. <laughs> I loved watching a video you made on Instagram, uh, of you and your husband kind of growing, going through it as you pulled it into the driveway and kind of <laughs> going over it. And, uh, I thought that was very entertaining. Um, your videos on that stuff is, it, are always entertaining, by the way. I, I, always, I, I really do always enjoy, especially on social media. I, I enjoy the hell out of them. Um, Thanks. I enjoy compliments, so we're a good team. <laughs> Anytime you need a compliment, just let me know. Just send me a text, and I'll, I'll be happy to compliment you. Um, <laughs> Do something nice to me. <laughs> I need um, something nice. Damn it. Uh, and so, you know, you obviously you're a you're a woman in a what's perceived to be a male dominated world of cars and car reviews. What is your advice for men? talking to women about cars oh oh that's a good question nobody's asked me that question um i guess i mean obviously there's there's a lot of different um scenarios yeah, <laughs> in right, which yeah. this is in which this could be happening um i would say that i'm gonna pick one i'm gonna say what i think is a very common scenario which is that um, a man who is very into cars mm-hmm. um is trying to is hoping to um, either convince a woman in his life, mm-hmm. uh, either a, a partner or even like maybe a child, that that they should also be into cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this advice would work uh, swapped around as well. And I think that the mistake that people make when they really love something and they want to get someone else to love it is that they 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 spend too much time doing it. Uh, You know, if you're introducing someone to something, you need to do it in shorter periods of time. So if you want to bring someone to a car show, I think that most, most people would enjoy a car show. It's just that they might enjoy a car show for 20 to 40 minutes. (laughs) Right. And and (laughs) the rest of us enjoy a car show for like six hours. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, if you, if you want to convince your partner or your kid that cars are cool, you know, take them to a car show, walk around for 20 minutes and then take them out to get a nice meal or to have ice cream or to do something that they want to do and do that more often. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, taking someone to the, you know, take someone to the races, but make sure that they're prepared for what that means. You know, that they have a hat and sunscreen and you buy them water and, They've got earplugs because it can get uncomfortable very quickly. It can get very uncomfortable. And it's very, when I talk to people who don't like it and I ask them why they don't like it, why they don't like cars or why they don't like racing or why they don't like car shows. The answers are always the same. It's, Mm -hmm. it's boring. Mm -hmm. It's hot. Mm -hmm. I was hungry. Yep. Uh, You know, I got sunburned. (laughs) And if you can, if you can address people's needs, comfort needs, beforehand then they'll just have a really nice time with you and i think that that's a way that you can share what you love with somebody while also making them feel like they're still more important than that and i think that that's the key to convincing anybody about anything you know whether it's quentin tarantino movies or uh, you know or working on cars or gardening or anything it's it's saying like i love this but i love you more right right 
<laughs> and I think a lot of people do it the other way around. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what really turns people off, you know. I think it's really good advice. Number one, I love, I'm a big Quentin Tarantino movie fan, so I love Quentin Tarantino <laughs> movies. Uh, but also I feel like, you know what, you're, you're absolutely right because a lot can be learned on how uh, manufacturers treat us as journalists or writers or reviewers. When we go to events, guess what? We go to we go to automotive events. We go to we go to car shows. Now, for me, I always say the best thing about a car show is I don't even give a damn about the cars. It's hanging out with the people. I enjoy the <laughs> I enjoy the company of the people. You know, the pictures are all online. The pictures are all on our websites. I can read the press release. You know, any other time, but it's the PR people that I don't get to see very often, or the executives, you know, or whatever that I enjoy chatting with, uh, journalists and stuff. And but what do they do? They give us you know. They give us hugs. They give us gifts. Well, probably not hugs anymore, but they give us, you know, they take us out to eat afterwards. We go to dinner with them. We go to nightclubs or whatever, you know, for whatever reason. And they make sure to keep our interest. So I guess, you know, that's a very good point of keeping the interest um, and, and being, you know, fair and not overextending the uh, the obsession with uh, with <laughs> with the person you're, bring, you're trying to bring into it. Now, with that also comes an interesting question that I have. I've, you know, okay. I have, uh, I've known women that love cars. My wife really likes cars. She is, uh, she's a, a big manual person. She loves manual gearboxes as well. Um, she drives, she just bought in December. We just bought her a, a new uh, Jetta GLI with a manual gearbox. Um, Fun. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great little car. She really enjoys it. Um, but how do you feel when somebody calls you like a badass chick? Does that bother you? Does the word chick bother you? Does the word, you know, because we have in car culture, we have, oh, I'm a car guy, you know, or a car gal or whatever. But what, what bothers you or what, what would you prefer? What's, what's something that, that, you know, kind of stokes that uh, annoyance or makes you feel good about it? Um, I mean, almost nothing bothers me really in terms of if you're just talking about phrases, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people who uses guys interchangeably, right. even though I've been trying to train myself not to, because I think there are people who, who feel like that it, it is not an interchangeable word. Right. So I'm trying to do the same uh, thing as well. And it, it is tough. Yeah. You know, you know, we, we all evolve and get better. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, so I, you know, I don't care if somebody calls me a car chick, if somebody, you know, uh, somebody calls me a car girl, if somebody says a car woman, uh, I think that a lot of women don't like being referred to as a female. Right, right, right. Seems like that, like female is to me, it's an adjective. It's not, um, it's not like the noun that you use. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, again, I don't like. For me, it's context. I try, you know, if somebody has good intentions, that's pretty obvious. And if they don't have bad intentions, that's also pretty obvious. So none of you know, I, I'm not very sensitive. There are a lot of people out there that are more sensitive. Um, what does bother me, at least in automotive journalism, is when somebody is writing and they are writing to an obviously presumed male audience. Right. Like, I hate, I hate reading articles where it's like, your wife is going to think this about it. And I'm like, I don't have a wife. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so that bothers me a lot more than anything sort of directed at me uh, phrase wise. Now you're making me question if I've ever written that way. I'm like, holy hell. 
I've never thought about that. I, I mean, uh, I, it's hard not to. It's hard not to. If you start looking at your at your own writing, you know, I, I mean, I don't do it because it would be crazy to assume that everybody who was reading Hot Rod magazine was a woman. But, right, um, right. you know, for most for most male writers, it it's the it is the normal way. And right. it's also a kind of like long tradition of writing that way. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at all of the the classic guys who wrote about cars, you know, the Brock Yates's and the David right. Lee's and all those, you know, there was this assumption, you know, PJ, uh, PJ, PJ Rourke, Rourke, whatever. Yeah. They, they, there was this assumption that they were writing to other men. There was a, a joke. There are lots of jokes in it about, about women. Um, and since a lot of us who came up in writing came up from reading those, those people, you know, you kind of absorb it and, uh, I would definitely recommend thinking about it when you're doing your writing. <laughs> <clears throat> That's a very um, good point. I, you know, again, now I'm gonna, now I'm going to second guess everything I write because in a good no, way. No, don't do that. Don't, no, yeah, in a, in a good I'm, way, in a positive way of like, am I being unknowingly, you know, detrimental to someone else in that? Reg- it's it's the same thing of like using guys interchangeably. I, you know, I yeah. I saw two women walking this morning. We were talking. On my, I was on my front porch opening boxes, and this one woman was walking by with her dog. Another woman had her kid. I assumed that they were together. I, I could only assume that they were a couple. You know, I don't know. You know, but I said, "Oh, how are you guys doing today?" And they were like, "Oh, we're doing fine." And after that, I was like, "Damn it, I didn't mean to do that. I meant to say, you know, <laughs> you know, how are you, how are you doing today instead?" But you know that. So that brings me to. A, I don't know. Yeah, we could all go crazy with it. I, it doesn't sound like you've offended anybody, and, and like I said, I I use guys that way too, and so. It's more, um, it's more about just being aware of it, thinking about it a little bit differently. I think. So, uh, one of my most proud moments in my entire career, um, if I can call it that, is I have a column for my website called Uncooked Truth because my website's called Raw Autos, so it's called mm-hmm. Uncooked Truth, and it was, um, it obviously pissed somebody off so badly, so much that they stole $10,000 of somebody's money and crashed my website because of this one article. Really? Yes. How? What? Well, what, what did this d- story? So this is a very interesting story. So I wrote this article on September 4th of 2013, right? And I'm sitting at my sister's house and I open up my phone and I'm going and I like to check my website because I own the website, I own the server, I own everything. I like to, you know, every few days or week or whatever, I just like to randomly check on my website, make sure it's working properly, right? So go to my website. It's not coming up. This is weird. I pull out my sister's laptop. Not coming up. This is weird. I text my buddy who was also my web developer and web hoster. I'm like, hey, what's going on with this? And he's like, I, I don't know. Let me check. Calls the the, uh, <clears throat> the company that handles my server. And they're like, oh, he had a an attack. Somebody attacked his website. I'm like, who the hell would attack a car website? You know, it was ridiculous. Well, come to find out this person had stolen money and what they did was they funneled it through Walmart gift cards online. It was really weird. Did all this weird stuff. Okay. They were sending, um, uh, what was it? A hundred thousand, uh, visit requests of every minute to this specific article that I wrote and it crashed my website. Because in every minute, I was getting 100,000 requests to this one exact article. And the article is called, A Woman's Role 
in the death of the manual transmission. And they obviously saw the, they only, I purposely did this. So no matter what you were reading it on a computer or a laptop, a phone, an iPad, whatever, this is the, this is the exact, this is all you saw at first. So if I could read this to you, I think you'll, you'll have a quick laugh. Women, the people that help us make babies, clean our homes, and do our dishes are partly responsible for the death of the manual transmission. Let's learn about this in the latest Uncooked Truth. Woman, the very word alone describes someone who's less able and not as smart as their male counterparts. A woman isn't as strong as a man, nor can she be as powerful as any man. A woman can't be president, nor can she have any real existence outside the home. Let's be honest, a woman is only good for doing the dishes, making my food, cleaning my clothes, keeping my house maintained, and raising my children. However, and there's a picture which breaks it up right down to that. I said, ladies, are you pissed off yet? Well, you should be because this is how you've been seen and thought of for thousands of years. So that was, and then I go through the fact that I go through all these, uh, these articles that have been written from, um, from, uh, uh, uh automotive executives talking about, uh, one of them was actually <laughs> the head of uh, Alfa Romeo at the time saying that he believed that the, uh, when they would finally sell more uh, 500 Abarth uh, cars was when they put the automatic in it for women. Um, and then I posted up some videos about uh, from the 1950s and 60s of car commercials. Your wife will love this because now it doesn't have a manual transmission and you know her nails will be, you know her fingers and hands will touch things that are softer and blah, 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 right? All these things. And so, but then of course I go into the fact that women are naturally badasses with cars. You know, this is, <laughs> this is a ridiculous, this is ridiculous that anybody would think that a woman, you know, that we need to basically, you know, uh, uh, uh keep them held down in a sense. It's, it's a ridiculous notion, right? But yeah, so this is the, that's my most proud moment in my career because <laughs> I pissed somebody off so much because obviously they didn't read the rest of the article. Um, or maybe they did read the rest of the article and they're like, how dare this son of a bitch actually try and preach that women are, you know, equal in this world. Yeah. Uh, you don't know which, which half of it pissed them off. I don't know, but I love it. I love that somebody was so enraged by something I did that they had to crash my website. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, this has been, you know, I, I've obviously always thought that women could have any role in the automotive industry or automotive world is ridiculous to think that they should be any less than anybody else, you know? Um, but comes, this comes probably my last two questions for you. All right. Okay. So my, one of the last questions I have for you, what are modern, what are modern car features that you hate that you love? And what are some that you love to hate? Oh my gosh, you've made it all tricky. You've turned it all around on me. Um, okay, hate that I love. I am ashamed of how much I like heated and cooled seats. And um, and I, uh, you know, as mentioned, uh, a little shocked at my own desire to have everything have massaging seats now. So I guess, um, you know, it's weird to me to come from somebody who, uh, you know, like, very literally drove a car that had a racing seat in it uh, to now be like, mm, no, I really need, I need a better massager. <laughs> the one in the S4 isn't as good as the one in the S8. There are more, there are more choices in the S8. Um, I like it a little better. 
more patterns. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. So, so that's, uh, that, uh, yeah, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself. I don't even know myself anymore. <laughs> and, um, and then one that I love to hate uh, is, as again, as, as we, we talked about a little bit earlier, I do, I really hate the Lena cyst stuff. Oh my God, yeah. Um, and I also, I also really hate that there are so many warnings now when you turn a car off. Oh like, my God. Did you leave a baby in the back? Right. Your Don't forget your cell phone. Thing. Right. And that uh, I had, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> might have just been Hyundai or something, but it was, you know, it had a whole bunch of warnings and, you know, went inside, came out the next day and realized I had left the key in it because it beat me about so many other things but it didn't even occur to me to like pay attention to me. That's so funny. I don't you know, I don't need quite so much chicken littling from uh from the cars that I'm driving. That's great. And yeah. so I guess uh I guess my final question would be if you could have your own car show on any network anywhere in the world done however you want it to be. Who would be your co-hosts? Ooh. Um, oh, gosh. This is fun. Okay. All right. Give me a second. Give me a second. It could be as many uh, as you want. It could be every episode could be different <laughs> car hosts. You could do whatever the hell you want. It's your car show. It's my car show. It's yours. Um... It's it's top Ilana Sheer. That's all it is. Is It's just, it's it's top Sheer. Um, okay. Uh, well, I don't know if she would want to be a host. But uh, I would really like to have the um, the comedian and animator Lisa Hannawalt work on something that I worked on. That um, would be she's cool. The animator, she was the I think lead animator for for BoJack Horseman, and yeah. uh, she did. She was the showrunner for Tuca and Birdie, and she writes really hilarious comic books. And I think she's amazing. And also, I think she hates cars, but, uh, <laughs> we but should I make it more entertaining. Cause she's so funny. And, yeah. uh, so I would like to work with her on something. Um, and <laughs> who else? Um, I mean, I've been friends with Ezra Dyer, who you mentioned earlier on this, uh, I love Ezra for a long time. And I think Ezra is super funny. Yes. And I like his approach to cars. I think we get along mm-hmm. really well that way. I think that would be cool. Um, I loved working with David Freiberger when I worked with him at Hot Rod and Roadkill. So I would not be sorry to work with Freiberger again. He seems so easygoing and relaxed. Just a, <laughs> a chill person. I mean, he's always wearing sandals. I never, I've never seen a person be, be so into classic cars and so into Hot Rods and stuff and wear sandals. <laughs> And, and maybe Ryan Millen, the rally driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like him a lot. He's a he's a funny guy with with some good driving skills. He is very and, funny. And good taste in cars. So I don't know. Maybe that. I don't. You know. I mean, I could just keep going. <laughs> his, I, you know. His... Now I want to like name everyone. <laughs> his wife is actually from New Bern, North Carolina. I did not know. Yeah, I uh, talked to him years ago, um, and uh, was was just chit chatting with him. And he asked where I was from, and I told him, you know, I was in North Carolina. So, oh, my wife's from New Bern. Um, but yeah, it uh, even funnier. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The the guy um, used to be the North American CEO 
uh, president of uh, Mazda. Oh God, uh, O'Sullivan, um, Jim O'Sullivan. Yeah, I think it's yeah. His wife was from New Bern, North Carolina, as well, and he used to come to North Carolina. And I told him that I used to sell cars at for which I did. I sold new cars for Mazda and Kia at a dealership in Wilmington, North Carolina, at the beach. And he named the dealership. He knew the dealership. And he said, I go into Mazda dealers in a hat and just like regular clothes. He said, I do it all the time. I check on how they're selling the cars. <laughs> and that was when he was the CEO. And I told him a story that I, I actually, this is 100% true. I told a person that I would not sell them a Mazda and asked them to leave. I, I, I'm kind of a douche, but I told him, uh, he asked me what, why he should buy a Mazda six. And I said, well, do you like driving or is it just kind of like a point A to point B thing? And he said, uh, you know, I prefer just a point A to point B. I just need a regular car. I said, well, our sister store is Honda, uh, is a Honda Acura store. And I said, it's about a mile and a half down on the left. I think you would be better served with a Honda Accord. I think that's what you'll prefer. And he was like, oh, okay. If you, I was like, I promise you. The Mazda 6 is not your car. You're not going to enjoy it as much as you will a Honda Accord. And he he went and bought a Honda Accord. He came back about a couple hours later and showed it to me. But oh, yeah. Well, that, that's good. That worked out for you. Yeah. I uh, And I told that story to uh, to Jim and he thought that was hilarious. He thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah. I, I guess this is it. I guess this is... Uh, I'll finally leave you leave you be. We've been talking for an hour <laughs> and a half almost. And uh, Oh, goodness. Well, you better edit that down. Um, <laughs> I could seriously genuinely talk to you all day because I feel like you... I, I followed you from afar. I've known who you were for years, <laughs> obviously, because I've seen your stuff. Um, I remember Johnny Lieberman was extremely excited to announce you as the editor-in-chief of Roadkill Magazine. It was very nice. It was very supportive. <clears throat> yeah. he was. I, I just remember he was so excited for that. Um I, I mean, granted, I think he's he is the perfect company spokesman for for Motor Trend. You know, he he <laughs> supports everybody there. He loves everything everybody does, which is awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, I, it's it's nice to work with people who uh, who are supportive. Um, you know, I think that I've been really lucky through like everything that I've done that I've always had just a really good team. Yeah, um, or got to work with really good teams. So, well, I yeah, I, uh, I feel extremely lucky. I, I'll tell you, I love your stuff on Edmonds, um, your videos that you're doing with them. Uh, again, I've loved your content for years. I uh, followed you from afar, mainly on social <laughs> media. Um, felt like a creeper at times. Um, well, I'm glad I'm glad to have you there. And you know, I'm hoping that this all ends soon enough that we can actually all be back to, to seeing each other face to face. I hope so, too. I mean, I, I think your 36,000 uh, Instagram followers, though, appreciate uh, you being at home. So, I think. well, uh, we're going to get some work done this weekend. The looks like the rain has moved on. So we're going to get some videos done, put those up and, uh, and hopefully keep everybody entertained. That is going to be awesome. So I look forward to it and thank you so much for actually, well, sitting down or maybe standing up or walking around, talking to me, whatever you were doing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it, was, it was a nice break. It was a nice, I haven't, you know, I haven't, I've, haven't talked to anybody. Well, I talked to Mario Andretti this morning, but other than that, I haven't talked whoa, to anybody. Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Was that the phone call you were on before you were talking to me? Yeah. Holy hell. Wait, whoa, I got to go into this. I've met him once just for an autograph. He came to Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, what? Uh, I'm working on a book. Um, I'm almost done. 
uh, I'm doing a biography with Don Prudhomme about his life as uh, as the snake um, drag racing. And he and Mario were friends. So for one of the supporting interviews, um, I called Mario to to have him tell me some stories about Don Prudhomme. So uh, That's that was rad. that was pretty cool. That was a cool way of spending a day in quarantine. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Bored, by the way. <laughs> and plus, that is a cool book idea. Snake is um, awesome. Thank you. He is awesome, and I hope that everybody likes the book, and um, I'm supposed to turn it in this week. So. Oh, well, good luck, because that's, that. that's a really, really cool idea. I'll be looking forward to reading that. All right. Cool deal. All right. Have fun, man. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day. You too. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first ever podcast for rawautos.com. Man, Alana, really damn cool, right? Cool as hell. I hope you understand why... Everybody in the industry praises her. In fact, uh, in the podcast you'll hear in a couple days, I talked to John Perley Huffman of Car and Driver and Motor Trend, and he talks about if he were to build a magazine, Ilana Shear would be one of those people that he would absolutely have to have involved because of her vast knowledge, creativity, and love for classic cars and her way of telling stories. And she really is a fantastic storyteller. So again... Find her on Instagram at Challenge Her, also on YouTube with the same name. Uh, you can find her in Road and Track, Sports Car Market, American Car Collector, Car and Driver, and on Edmunds.com's YouTube page, which is just Edmunds. <laughs> so when you get a chance, after listening to this, of course, go on YouTube, find her, check out the magazines, check out the websites where she's been. And just enjoy the content. Thank you very much for listening. I will have podcasts after podcasts after podcasts after podcasts. Basically, I'm trying to upload a new podcast every day for the next couple of weeks because, well, most of you don't have anything better to do staying at home. And I hope you are staying at home, washing your hands, cleaning your house, and cleaning any packages that come into your house. And just social distancing. So take care of yourself. Take care of the people you love. And enjoy what you have, you know, going for you. Your health, the people around you. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you very much. Hope you uh, stick around tomorrow and listen to the next podcast that we have. And uh, yeah, until then, happy motoring.